I am so thrilled to be introducing this week's guest, arguably one of the loveliest men in Hollywood, the incredible Will Poulter. Will is a British actor who found fame in The Chronicles of Narnia when he was just 17 and then went on to star in one of my favourite comedies of all time, We're the Millers, after which he won the BAFTA Rising Star Award. His rendition of TLC's Waterfalls is a must-watch if you haven't already seen it. Since then, Will has gone on to star in critically acclaimed films such as The Maze Runner, Detroit and The Revenant. So, safe to say that at just 26 years old, Will has achieved phenomenal success. So I cannot wait to hear what moments led him here. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Will, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks, Roxy. Thanks for asking me. So we're going to kick straight into this. Mm -hmm. Um... What is your first defining moment? My first defining moment? Um, I think that this one came to me because um, looking back at like my childhood, I was like a very uh, oversensitive uh, kid, or at least that's kind of the sort of label that was put on me, is that I was like over oversensitive. And I do remember being... Um, kind of like for a young kid sort of bearing like an unnecessary mental weight from like as early as I can remember and putting like a lot of pressure on myself um, and being kind of maybe a little bit kind of like unnecessarily existential and um, kind of I feel like I don't know um, being anxious and worrying a lot um, and school was an environment that just always kind of added to those sort of woes and worries, to be completely honest. Um, and I think naturally not being gifted at anything at school was, <laughs> was something that definitely made all of that harder. And, you know, I was like, I was that like 10 year old kid who was like, what am I, what am I going to do when I'm older? You know, like, what am I going to, you know, thinking about that at, at 10 years old, only because yeah. all of the cues around me suggested that I wasn't going to be anything you know what I mean right um I kept coming up against kind of closed doors that wasn't to say that I didn't have like an amazingly loving and supporting family I, I absolutely do but but at school I really struggled so I think for me a defining moment that kind of resulted in one of those doors kind of opening up to me was the first time I can remember performing live and a crowd sort of reacting to me um, and that was at school, and I I I played um I played Scylla Black in a kind of like, <laughs> like, 
like a sort of version of a blind date sketch. That is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> the start of your acting career. Scylla <laughs> Black. That was it. Yeah, Scylla, who was an absolute legend. And I think I did, I, I know I did a very, very poor Scylla Black impression <laughs> that like was sort of vaguely in the region of Liverpool slash like, you know, just about recognisable as, as human. Like I was not, I, it wasn't, it wasn't accurate at all. Um, but I, I loved that show. I loved Scylla Black. And um, yeah, I did that at school. And I just remember people laughing and seeing people smiling in relation to what they were watching. And that was just like such a, that was a bit of a revelation for me. I was like, oh, wow, I'm having a really good time doing this. I feel like the people watching me are, are having, I mean, they're probably just laughing at me as opposed to with me, but like, I'm cool with that. And and it was one of those things that really sparked my passion for performance. And I think that from that moment on, I kind of threw myself into that when I was at school and, and, and that became like my biggest passion. Yeah, that's amazing because I guess at school it is it is tough because kids are, I think especially for boys, you're expected to be good at sports or hmm. be academic or, right. you know, so and actually finding yourself in performance is, you know, that's, diff- that's different to like what everyone else is doing. So right. um, it must have been a real... A real confidence boost to see to see those reactions definitely definitely it was yeah I think so and um you know I come from a family who are for the most part in kind of medicine um and they're all like um I mean wonderful well-rounded people but amongst many things that they're, they're, they're you know kind of um I guess a little bit more academically wired or at least yeah. At least certainly some of my family members are and stuff. And I, I just wasn't that way. And what I'm really grateful for is at the point that I sort of found performance and in that moment of kind of realizing that that was sort of maybe my kind of calling and my answer to a lot of the kind of anxieties I sort of had. Um, they were so supportive of that. And I realized that not everyone gets that. Not everyone gets that not everyone gets that lucky to have a family who turn around and say, no, we, we see you in that respect and, and we support that. And, you know, a lot of people fall in love with performance or, or music or art or something outside of the kind of traditional academic profile of what you're supposed to do and, and told they can't do it. Absolutely, so I don't take yeah. that for granted, you know? Yeah, that is so lucky. That mm. is so lucky. Mm. So... From then, so then you knew you wanted to be, uh, did you know you wanted to be an actor specifically or just performance in general? At this point, did, did you think, right, I want to act? Or did you think you wanted to be a comedian? Or Yeah, it's an interesting one because I, from a young age, I'd always like watch a lot of films and television and um, I definitely had a natural interest in it. Um, but the the notion of being an actor and it being my job felt slightly like I was wanting to be an astronaut it just didn't seem feasible do you know what i mean yeah it, it was like it was a bit of a like oh well that's nice that that's your hobby but like you know you'll get a real job as well or you know you yes. know what i mean yes i think a lot of people will relate to that yeah yeah i, I feel and, and also the important thing to obviously know is that like i was so young that it was like i wasn't having to think about that yet but at least for my parents it was encouraging to see that like that was a real interest of mine that made me happy first and foremost. And I think their attitude was always, as long as you're trying your hardest in every other, you know, sort of sector Mm. of your life, then like, you know, that's all you can do kind of thing. And that's something that I've taken with me is this idea that like, you know, 
as long as you're trying your hardest, you can't really sort of have any kind of regrets, I don't think. Absolutely. I actually yeah. speak about that a lot. As, as long as you're trying your best and your best is all you can do. And then... Right. Exactly that. It's a really good quote by Miguel Ruiz about that, actually. Yeah, there's, um, there's one by um, Maya Angelou where um, she says... Um, she says, uh, do your best until you know better. And when you know better, do better. Yes, I love that which quote. Is really, which is really, and I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's always kind of stuck with me too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and from then, how did you then start pursuing it? Like, did was there like after school clubs at this point or did you go to a stage school or what happened then? I um I was really lucky in that I had an amazing mentor in the shape of uh, Laura Lawson, who was my drama teacher. Um, and there was another drama teacher at the school who was also brilliant to me called Simon Parker. Laura in particular, though, really kind of uh, sort of fostered my passion for drama and um, I think really understood me. She kind of got that I was this kind of quite anxious, insecure, sort of oversensitive kid. And she kind of knew how to sort of channel that and and help me um i guess cope with it through performance mm. and she also um to be honest she also like never patronized me ever she sort of treated me like an adult in a way um which i i kind of appreciated yeah. maybe just because i was obnoxious like but i <laughs> i really appreciated that um and she sort of you know helped me um really kind of grapple with a lot of like personal demons through through comedy primarily um she set up school of comedy which started off as a as an after school club and then kind of developed into a eventually a live show and then a television show and, and kind of went on went on um, throughout the years i think i started with laura when i was about 11 12 so this was before wow. i got my first audition which um it's kind of a funny story laura was uh, a major part in it but there was a kind of this sort of like school uh, nationwide school search for uh, the film Son of Rambo and um, my school was one of the last schools they came to and it wasn't a performance school as such but um, Laura was there teaching drama and anyway one day I'm in my English class and like there's this like slam on the window and I like look over and it's Laura and she's got a piece of paper and it says audition three o'clock and I'm like looking over and trying not to like get in trouble with my teacher and pretending to like sort of pay attention. But I can't believe that I'm seeing audition at three o'clock. Like it's the most exciting thing. And I suppose in answer to your earlier question, I didn't really know how to take it to the next level or what, you know, and an audition landing on my lap was like the luckiest break, you know. Um, how old were you at this point? I was 12. I was 12 then. Um, and this was just before my summer holidays um, like summer of whatever year when I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible with timelines. <laughs> and anyway, to cut a long story short, I kind of ended up going on a few rounds of this audition process and it, you know, going on for a number of weeks and with each sort of round that I kind of got through, you know, it was like a, it was like a really encouraging thing for me, but I, I didn't really think it was ever actually going to go my way. And when it did, like, I was delighted. I think my family were really delighted that like, you know, I I I uh, had had got that opportunity, and I spent I spent eight weeks shooting it in my summer holidays when I was twelve, and it was just like the luckiest luckiest break, um, wow. and I'm so grateful for that. And that certainly was, um, you know, a, the point at which 
again, it, it didn't feel professionalized or it didn't feel like my job yet or anything like that. I still had, you know, um, five years of school to complete. Because 12 is young. 12 is young, yeah. Exactly. To start acting and like be actually working as mm. an actor at 12 is, you know, how did you deal with that kind of at such a young age? Mm. I was really lucky that um, my first experience was as kind of wholesome and as gentle and as kind of um, sort of independent and low-key as it was. Garth Jennings, the director, and, and Nick Goldsmith, the producer, were kind of like me and Bill's kind of film dads, you know, me, Bill Milner, sorry, who plays the lead in mm. the film. And like, you know, we were two 12-year-old kids making a movie in our summer holiday. And this was a film about two kids making a movie during the summer right. holiday. So it was kind of all too perfect. And um, I think had that experience not been so ho- wholesome and, and nice, maybe I wouldn't have fallen in love with the with the the job I do um, to the extent that I have done. Um, but, you know, obviously as time went by, um, I had a, a range of different experiences and, and um, dealing, I think, with working in a professional adult environment and getting your education and trying to be a kind of sort of in inverted commas, like a normal kid as mm. well was kind of difficult. Um, but again, I attribute being able to sort of experience you know, normality um, to having incredible friends, um, an amazing, amazing group of friends, and and the best family I could ask for. Like that's that's been huge. I think the relationships I've had have really um, helped me in that regard. Incredible. I've been lucky. Well, what a start. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like spiraled off into several no, different moments. I, there, I but, love a spiral. But okay. <laughs> um, so let's get on to your second defining moment. Mm. Um, I think my second defining moment, and again, these probably aren't equally spread out on the timeline, but um, was probably when I did Detroit, um, which was a film I shot um, only four years ago now um four years is that correct four years ago yeah um and Detroit for me was on 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 the one hand an amazing creative opportunity as an actor just to work with um to work with Catherine Bigelow one of my favorite directors ever um, and sort Can of, you just tell the people listening, in case they haven't watched mm, Detroit, mm, just mm. really oh, of briefly? Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't want to assume anyone's it, but um, <laughs> um, D- Detroit was it was a film that I shot um, four years ago. Detroit um, is uh, set in 1967. It's the um, true story um, of uh, the rebellion that um, happened in Detroit um, and the um, murder of five innocent African American men. Um, in uh, the Algiers Motel. Um, And while the uh, rebellion itself is quite well documented, um, the story about what happened to those um, young men and um, the two women that were involved as well and were harassed in the process is is largely untold outside of the Detroit community. I think it's probably fair to say. So to have a part, and I played a a racist police officer in in that uh, story, to have a part in telling that story was um, a huge uh, honour and responsibility. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, as I say, kind of outside of just the obvious amazing opportunity from a creative standpoint to work with Catherine Bigelow on a project like that, it came with a 
uh, an education um, and a kind of life-changing sort of um, amount of realization and new information um, in in sort of the the process of making it. And that for me was uh, definitely a, a a moment in my life where I was forced to I think reflect on things that I hadn't previously really paid close enough attention to. Um, I think my privilege being one of them um, majorly in relation to um, uh, well my, my my race first and foremost mm-hmm. and 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 the the, the film um, deals you know primarily with um, racial inequality and um, race relations in in America but um, broadly the theme of racism and um, I was lucky enough to receive an education um, from a woman called Ziza Delgado who's an expert on African-American history and um, uh, ethnicity studies. Um, She's based in America. And I had several um, sessions with Ziza, which kind of really blew my mind. Um, And uh, I think not only taught me um, a lot as far as the sort of work that I want to be more involved in as an actor, but, but also in my personal life, um, with regards to, as I say, my, my privilege and the experiences of other people. I think Catherine Bigelow and Ziza Delgado both taught me the importance of empathy and, and um, the need to understand other people's experiences as well as your own, um, how they differ from one another and how that can inform how you kind of navigate the world and how you interact with other people. Um, so it was definitely a defining moment for me professionally and I think in my kind of private life as well for want of a better way of putting it yeah I mean massive from filming a comedy like we're the millers to filming something like this which is so emotional and as you say heavy and you know there is such a social responsibility that comes with playing Mm. um a part in a film like that Mm. how how did you cope with it mentally while you were filming um you know playing Mm. a racist officer how do you how do you get into that part without you know Mm, mm, mm. um it's interesting because i think that particularly having received the education from ziza that i had and and having read the script and just being part of the detroit process and and being around that cast and crew i was in i was sort of imbued with this um excitement around exposing this kind of character the injustice around this story and what happened to the victims of this story was so great that I thought, you know, at the least we have to just get the truth out there and 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 as as close as possible resemble the truth of what happened. That's kind of the the bare minimum of what the victims are owed, and it will never amount to um, anything that makes what happened to them any less. But um, I was excited to to to. I think take ownership of that character in a way as well and and kind of own up to the to the to the history of it. Um that being said, occupying the mindset of a racist like that um and someone that kind of hateful is um certainly emotionally challenging. Um and you know, I went to some quite kind of disturbing places um psychologically speaking just just even just having to say some of those things on screen you know um and knowing that it's based on transcript or it's based on you know testimony that these words actually came out of a human being's mouth is just kind of 
mm. you know was at least shocking to me um so um that was tough uh, the thing i'm always hesitant to talk about is how much i struggled though because naturally for the um for of course the real life victims and the actors playing the victims it, it i can only imagine how much more you know emotionally sort of challenging it, it must have been um but i think one of the things that protected us all from becoming too sort of beaten down by the the, the process of being in this film and, and taking on the challenge was the fact that we were all kind of unified by a desire to tell the story and, and try and do it some justice that's so beautiful um that was really that was really nice and it's it's you know without any disrespect to any of the cast i've ever worked with i've been so lucky to work with so many amazing people but that's maybe my favorite experience because the the unity and the sort of sense of camaraderie we all developed together mm. through that through that process was so special um and and of course Catherine is a huge orchestrator of that um so yeah um but definitely important to take care of your mental health i think playing a character like that and really checking in with yourself i think i maybe only properly reflected on how it was affecting me after the fact of shooting it i think in the moment i was just trying to sort of get through it yeah and when you sense. say and when you talk about taking care of your mental health what mm. does that look like for you um so yeah that that is that's kind of a exploration i'm still you know right in the middle of um uh and certainly made some like good headway kind of uh uh recently i feel like um I think I think the first step was kind of acknowledging that I struggled with with anxiety and depression, um, and sort of taking ownership of the um, the the need to kind of manage it and cope with it. Um, it wasn't something that was kind of going to go away or I could sort of wish away. I had to take steps to um, to manage it, and I think particularly because kind of in the business of occupying other people's identities, and as much as I love that. And I, and, I, and I grow so much from that and I gain so much from it there is obviously a real danger of running away from yourself yes. too much you know what I mean absolutely I mean it's just, it surely can be just a form of escapism right right so and how then, do you yeah. what kind of tools do you use personally to keep yourself sort of grounded and mentally healthy and manage um your anxiety and depression of course it's all it's a journey yeah you know yeah. We all, but what are your sort of go-to tools my go-to tools um i uh, physical exercise for the purpose of being mentally healthy is like uh, for me like one of the world's biggest secrets i didn't i didn't even know that that was a thing i was like oh physical exercise is to be fit or to look strong yeah. i thought it was kind of almost purely like an aesthetic thing um and a physical thing but to realize the mental benefits of that is so huge i oh, could not agree more everyone that asks me i always say you just have to start with exercise and healthy eating for your mental health it yeah. is the number one i actually saw will last in the gym while i was oh, yeah, pregnant exactly yeah. <laughs> you were pregnant which is literally the most impressive thing i've ever seen i was like uh, you were like you were you looked like you were like barely struggling i was sweatier and <laughs> struggling you know far was, and you were six months pregnant or something well, you know what's so funny that was the last time i went to the gym pregnant because i saw you and i was like oh god will's over there and i thought oh, i'm so embarrassed to say hello because i was feeling so uncomfortable in my body that i actually oh, cried after you walked away and no. isn't it funny that 
And then I never went back in a gym pregnant. But isn't it funny because you're going, oh my God, how impressive you were in the gym pregnant. Uh, but, but the way we can see things wow. on ourselves is so different. You really just never know, do you, what's going on in you someone's mind. You were a picture mind. of like health and inspiration. <laughs> on, honestly, so like, oh, that's so, that's, so um, that's 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 wild to hear. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, that really is. But yeah. I walked away like, wow. Like just in, in awe, to be honest. <laughs> you're so sad. And I walked away like, oh God. No, which <laughs> but breaks how funny. Um, um, so yeah, so physical exercise, yeah, physical absolutely exercise. couldn't agree more. What yeah. other kind and, of and piggybacking off what you said as well, healthy eating. I mean, Copying the idea me. of, of eating things that that kind of also ultimately sort of make you happy and and, yes. and and feed your your kind of your mental is like that's another that's another thing that I, I've seen a, a, a really kind of um, strong link to. Is there um, anything you kind of avoid eating? Um, do you know what I think? Like very important to to I think in my experience and I can only speak for me but like learn what works for you I feel like there's sometimes a real danger with um, and, and you'll know this far better than me with like um, diets or with workout plans or with um, you know uh, sort of um, food restrictions or whatever it is to like apply a sort of blanket statement to like a bunch yeah. of people and I think actually as true as it is that like you know eating for your mental like there, there is a way of eating to positively inform your mental health there's no one way of doing that absolutely you I, mean, I mean all our biochemistry is just completely different right. so it would be crazy to think that we should all eat the same way exactly our bodies are so unique and everyone's metabolisms and makeups are so you know um complex and 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 different that yeah it would be kind of naive to assume that like one diet works for everybody yeah. and i think i think that's slowly emerging as kind of you know sort of common wisdom um but are there anything i don't need um i do i mean like i naturally have a really really sweet tooth <laughs> um but i don't respond well to sugar in the sense that like, or too much sugar in a sense that like it affects my sleep and sleep is something that's so i've realized is so such a, a sort of principal factor in whether I'm able to maintain positive like mental health it's like mm. I need to be able to get my like eight hours kind of a night really yeah and if I just if I stay up eating watching films and eating three packets of Haribo I have a great time but yeah. I don't sleep too well it does it messes up your sleep yeah so badly and sugar hangovers are real oh my god yeah real that's a real thing for me absolutely again not maybe for everyone yeah yeah I'm no, jealous I, if you don't get them I am with you I get the worst and and you know right about the sleep thing although oh god I would dream of eight hours sleep <laughs> right and I know I'm, I'm talking to a recently recently become a mother so I don't mean to brag about eight hours sleep I'm sure that seems you like a lot you with your eye mask and your hair mask <laughs> goodbye see you in eight hours yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um, eight hours of dreams so sleep yeah so physical exercise eating healthy sleep reading I mean being a kid who didn't really do very well at school and sort of having almost like an, an allergy to academics I books weren't my friends but making books my friends and realizing um the the benefits of reading for the purpose of mental health like there's some books that have like completely changed <gasps> me 
Um, and I love books. Tell now. me, I tell lo- me a few of these books. Oh, I love a good self-help book. I honestly going to Daunt Books on the Fulham Road and going into that little self-help section. Ugh, I could spend all day there. I love <laughs> the self-help section. By the way, the funniest thing in the world is not being able to find the self-help section and having to ask someone. <laughs> <laughs> I went up to a woman in Waterstones and I said, "Excuse me, um, where's the self-help section?" And there was this like three seconds that passed between us but she was like did you really just I was like ah uh, I did ask for help to get to the self-help session but that's okay to ask for help along the way to be able to help exactly we're all about that world exactly being uh, being vulnerable yeah <laughs> even yeah. in Waterstones a hundred percent Matt Hager is one of my favorite writers um and I think he speaks so eloquently and beautifully about mental health um I read a book of his called Reasons to Stay Alive which is amazing. Oh, I've heard a lot about that book. Roxy, it is, it's a masterpiece. Really? Yeah. I'm going to buy it it's as soon actually, as we leave today. It's actually a masterpiece. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Um, that book's incredible. Um, he wrote another book called Notes on a Nervous Planet. Um, I think I've bought copies for Reasons to Stay Alive or and or Notes of, uh, on a Nervous Planet for like my nearest and dearest, like all my family and friends, because it's that amazing like it's oh i'm yeah. gonna get it it's a it, gift when you find one book that really life-changing you do want to just you want everyone to read it everybody you? like you need to a hundred percent you need to okay yeah. i'm gonna read it and then i'm gonna tell you what i think yeah yeah please do please do Matt i'm is. gonna have an epiphany i'm sure he's amazing he's also got a fictional book called how to stop time which is also beautiful matt haig everybody matt haig A brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon. Incredible. You basically (laughs) saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. I think until 10 years ago, I I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What is your third defining moment that got you to where you are today? My third defining moment. Um, my third defining moment, I should preface by saying that the the outcome of it while this is going to sound really kind of um um really quite sort of uh i don't know incredibly negative that the outcome strangely has been um amazingly positive and um i think the experience while um both me and my friend would rather it didn't it hadn't have happened um definitely kind of made um us both stronger um but a friend of mine um 
had quite an unfortunate sort of near-death experience um, and um, I was kind of um, sort of uh, um, I was close to him at the at the time and um, uh, anyway he, he's he's fine now and, and a lot stronger for having kind of um, survived it and, and, and bounced back in a kind of remarkable way but that experience of um, I think having such a kind of um, close call with, with death was something that um, encouraged um, him to uh, do a lot of sort of self-reflection and, and um, introspective kind of work, and 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 I kind of took inspiration from from that and and did the same thing. And um, you know, uh, nearly losing a, a close friend um, certainly made me realise that you know um, tomorrow isn't promised to anybody. You know. And that that life is potentially even shorter than than you uh, know it to be, um, and it, it occurred at the point at which I sort of turned to twenty five, and I think twenty five. So I'm, tw- I'm twenty. I'm twenty six. I'm turning twenty seven in a, in a month, um, or so. Um, I really only started to properly get a grip on. I think managing my mental health at the age of 25 um, and and post this particular moment. Um, you know, that's not to say that um, <laughs> you have to go through something like that or, or a friend of yours goes through something like that before you get to that space. But for me, it just sort of accelerated the process. It was like, right, I need to stop messing around here. I need to actually make the most of every moment I have and, and, and really... Um, um, kind of get a grip so I, I turn my attention to um, kind of trying to sort of invest in myself a little bit more and my, and, and my mental health specifically and um, I spent a kind of year just you know doing all the things that we've been talking about you know trying to sort of um, work out for the for the purpose of my mental health um, eat healthily for the purpose of you know um, mental stability um, I was reading a lot um, you know, um, I've been exploring, you know, different things to try and improve myself from a mental health perspective. And, um, it was great. It was like the most enriching kind of period. Um, and it's really kind of set me on a really positive new path. Um, that's also been characterized by, I think, an elevated appreciation for life and, and for my friends and for my family and for my relationships. And, um, you know, um, it was a really, really positive experience. I mean, being a, a, a self-employed and often unemployed actor, <laughs> you have a bit more time on your hands. So I appreciate. I'm, I'm speaking from a point of, you know, privilege where like I, I have that time to invest in myself. I know that lots of people are um, a lot busier and don't necessarily have as much time. But um, trying to make time for yourself, mm-hmm. if you can, to really take care of your mind is just. I mean, it's been the most important thing I've ever done um, really and I think realising that and it's weird because it goes against your instinct I think sometimes to want to you know affect other people positively and be there for other people and and impact other people positively but to come to the realisation that you can't do that until you look after yourself first and become the best version of yourself first is, is so huge and I think I was slightly coasting along kind of trying to do my best but not really making sure that I was at my best mm. and um, this moment um, as unfortunate as it was made me and, and I think my friend realised that and we're 
bonded you know um through the experience of course um which is which is really really lovely and um really proud of him for the way that he has responded to it as well he's been like a inspiration to me for 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 that yeah and i'm really grateful to him i mean that is amazing and to have that year of self-discovery it's I think when you go through something like that and you spend that time working through and, you know, that like we were saying, it's it's a journey, mental health, mm. and making it a priority is key. And you say about having kind of free time as an actor that's yeah. unemployed, but actually, in a way, that kind of makes it harder for you, I think, because you <laughs> have so much time on your own to think. And then actually the need for self-discovery is almost greater because you have so much time with yourself Mm. and um my boyfriend's an actor and i kind of see the same thing with him and i think it's when he well i don't i i don't know if this speaks for you as well but when he's unemployed he really needs to know who he is and find his identity away from being an actor and on that job so i think it's incredible that you've used that time in such a positive way which means that when you are in your next job you're going to be coming from such a stronger place and right you know what a powerful thing to go through no thank you well i think i think that's i think you kind of hit the nail on the head that you have to kind of come to terms with your own identity not fall prey to running away from yourself um and also i think as an actor kind of as as lucky as i am to do what i love for a living i wouldn't change it i was in real danger of like committing myself wholly to um, you know the characters and thinking really in depth about who that person is from every sort of you know aspect I possibly could conceive of and then just trying to sort of recover before I went into the next personality it's like yeah. well who's that person in between like you've got to live in between the roles and you've got to live with yourself and come into contact with who you are you can't just sort of come down off the experience of being one person and ramp up into being the next person because you, the person you live with and the person you're going to spend the most time with is in between those two jobs. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think also being self-employed or, or having a lot of time on your own, you know, I think um, introducing structure um, and introducing routine has been huge. R- I mean, routine, routine yes. Yeah. Is- I am so big on routine yeah. and being organized and you know the thing is what i say is for people who are struggling with mental health problems the reason routine i think is so important is because when you're feeling sort of depressed anxious and these things getting out of bed is a struggle making any decision is a struggle whereas if you have a routine you have things set in place you can kind of go a bit on autopilot and put one foot in front of the other because you have that structure there already for yourself absolutely absolutely and it's amazing um, you know, when you start kind of building your structure and developing your routine and you start to first feel the benefits of that. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. It's like, it can feel like flying. I mean, literally yeah. getting out of bed, making your bed, going through your routine and, and having a day whereby you ticked off all those that like can, can, can feel incredible. And, and, and actually, you know, there's no overstating how um, important the smallest of things can be to your, to your mental health. If, if for you that, has you know been identified as a triumph or that has taken you out of a dark place like 
I think also exercising self-compassion and patience around that is 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 massive too. You speak my language well. Well, I, well I'm learning. I'm learning from 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 you. And also making that uh, making yourself the priority as well. Yeah. Making your mental health priority in each day. So mm. committing whether it's ten minutes to practice gratitude or it's half an hour for journaling or an hour mm. for reading. You know whatever it is, but adding that into your routine because it is as important as going to the gym as going to work you know Absolutely. You, you have to live with yourself and your mental health is your number one for sure for sure i think connecting with all those positive things and then i think also identifying the things that are negative for you and and, and disconnecting from those um you know yeah. when exercising moderation as well it's like for me a big one was technology and social media i was just like i was i had to come to terms with the fact that it was making me very anxious and despite my best intentions to have it impact my mental health positively, I, I knew I needed to drastically readdress my relationship with both technology and social media so as to be happier. And I'm, I'm so glad I, I how, did that. How did you readdress it? Kind of set some rules for myself as mm -hmm. far as like what time I was spending on it and, and uh, you know, on, on social media, for example, and, and how much sort of screen time I was having. And by the way, because it's a journey, I'm still struggling with it and I still yeah, find myself slipping say, up. Yeah. And, yeah. Did, were you able to sort of stick to it or was did you have to kind of cut down gradually? How did it work for you? Well, it's really hard. I mean, rather like our conversation about diet or any of these things we're talking mm. about, it's about a personal relationship with it, right? So so the, the, the relationship that I have with social media and technology may be too much for some people. It may be, you know, way too little for others. But um, I mean, I think that having social media um, be an extension of where I'm able to, I guess, as an actor in the public, I use my platforms to talk about things I'm passionate about felt like a healthy relationship. Absolutely. Me engaging with people that I don't really fully know in the real world or in debates where context might be lost or talking to i think they think i think the term trolls which i don't really mm. understand and that, that seems like problematic in itself because it just like inspires more kind of conflict but like yeah. you know there's there's a certain amount of negativity and and bullying and things that go on on social media that you know you can sort of um i guess leave yourself open to or um sometimes without even knowingly kind of be contributing to the perpetuation of that just by being on social media and and, and engaging certain people over debate and that so just like trying to stay away from that was was important um so yeah now i kind of use social media um pretty much solely to um support kind of causes and organizations i'm passionant about you do i love your instagram oh well that's i think it is what you've done is you really do use it in such a positive way and i think it's really inspirational that's that's kind i mean i need to i need to probably use it actually i need to find a way of using it more and to the benefit more of the organizations and and um sort of charities i support um but i'm still managing that balance whereby you know i'm like on it enough that i give the support but um not on it so little that i'm neglecting opportunities so i'm just managing that balance and i'll get there you know i think mm. um uh, again that's that's something that's in development um so yeah I mean, and if, if i may mention organizations yeah, on, course, on this please. platform um I'm involved with an organization called Anti-Bullying Pro. Been involved with them since about 2010, I think. Um, uh, they're incredible and, and really worth checking out at Anti-Bullying Pro. 
um, uh, Leap Confronting Conflict, who are an amazing organisation based here in London. They work with young people to manage conflict wherever it might present itself within their kind of communities. Um, Project Zero, um, which I know that you you know of as well, yeah. um, environmentally um, focused um, organisation. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Blueprint Theatre Company, um, who are amazing, and, and hi to Sally and Mark, um, uh, who do uh, incredibly important kind of uh, socio-politically driven uh, theatre, um, working with people in the communities that the issues they feature in their work kind of face. Um, so those are, those are a few that I kind of, um, well, well, that's amazing. And I'll make sure I add all the links. Bless you. That's so so anybody listening can, um, can find them and find more information on them. That's very kind. That's very kind. Um, well, well, I think those three moments are amazing and, and I really, I do think you are so inspirational and your willingness to be so open about your mental health is just going to inspire so many people, especially as a young man. Um, I think there is so much room for this to be spoken about more um, because there is, mental health is a big topic now, but young men I think is is there isn't enough around it yet mm, and i think I, I really just am so happy to have you on here speaking about it and hopefully you know helping so many people that are listening thank you um, so much thank you for having me as well content like this is so important oh. and i'm i'm inspired by by you doing it so thank, thank you thank you well before you go i have yeah. 10 quick fire questions for you okay cool so we're gonna kick straight off do I have to answer them really, really quickly? No, no. no. Okay, okay, okay. But but the relatively well, okay, quick. Okay, we, we say quick fire because we're like, woo, quick fire. But no, actually, it's you. kind of like mid fire. It's, <laughs> it's like middle of the ground. Medium kind of, fire. Yeah. Yeah. Medium um, paced fire. Got it. Fine. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, okay. So most memorable book. Um, having already mentioned Matt Hayes' work, I'm going to say Crucial Conversations. Absolutely amazing. Changed the way I communicate, and I just love it favorite quote um okay having said a Maya Angelou one earlier I'm going to say um the view is better for having climbed the mountain and in the context of mental health that is I couldn't subscribe to that more wholeheartedly can you say that one again um the view is better for having climbed the mountain oh that's beautiful I love that most influential mentor I know you already mentioned Laura yeah um, my mum yeah my mum my mum's uh, best person I know yeah. Oh, yeah I hope my baby boy says that about me she, he, he, <laughs> definitely, he definitely will um, your go to feel good film um, Hook I think it's like ultimate dose of nostalgia Robin Williams I just love so much um and you know such a tragic loss uh but um one of my heroes and, and that film is amazing peter pan and the theme of like never growing up i don't know amazing <laughs> i love yeah. that a song that cheers you up oh um a song that cheers me up um do you know what i have i uh there's a few um Love Lies by Khalid and Normani. Oh, love I that love song. that song. That's like my shower song. 
Yeah, you know what? I had that on my playlist. And when I... Oh, God. You do that thing where you just repeat songs. Yes. It's going to make it sick. But do you know what? I'm still not sick of that one. <laughs> I'm still not either. <laughs> and I've had it for like a year on my playlist. It's magic, that song. I absolutely love it. I'm going to play this yeah. as soon as we go. Yeah, it's really good. Um, a moment where you felt most proud? Um, I think the premiere of the Detroit film with the cast... Um, and watching two of the survivors of that event walk on stage before the film was screened. Um, and it was like a really emotional, kind of happy tears sort of moment for everyone. Um, and just to be associated with those people and, and, and to be in that group was like one of my proudest moments. Um, and funnily enough, I wasn't around my family at the time, which is strange because I would assume that like my proudest moment would be like with mm. my family, but I kind of felt like that was that was maybe my proudest moment Ooh, i've actually got goosebumps it and was, i hope everybody listening watches that film if you haven't already it is amazing and your performance is absolutely stunning that's really kind thank you um the first three things you do when you wake up right so this is something i'm like really working on um, <laughs> i'm now trying to make it that the first thing i do is look outside look out of a window so I have a I have a window above my bathroom sink. So I open up the blinds on that first and look outside, and then I open it to breathe in fresh air. That's my second thing, and then I try and play music. Be the third thing, but the thing I am annoyed about is that I can't yet work out how unless I get like a record player. I can't yet play music and not break my rule, which is don't look at your phone. Alexa. Like, first thing. Alexa. Amazon Alexa. Shout out Amazon. Okay, I should, <laughs> I, I maybe need to um, welcome Alexa into my life. I have got Alexa, but um, I did something which I never thought I would do, is yesterday at 5am, I said, Alexa, play nursery rhymes. Oh, that's... <laughs> because that's Robbie was so whinging, sweet. and I was like, wow, times have changed. <laughs> look at me all grown up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a moment yeah. that's a and moment and then it was right Itsy Bitsy Spider and I was like I don't know if he knows this one Alexa oh. next song um, <laughs> okay um, your guilty pleasure uh, it's sweets it's like confectionery it's like it's Haribo it's all of that Haribo I, I could eat sweets until the cows come home I just mm. don't I, can't, I don't have a um, I don't have a off switch either yeah. I'll mm. eat past the point of satisfaction yeah, yeah. always I used to be the sh- biggest sugar I can't actually believe I'm giving, I don't eat sugar anymore right I wow. was obsessed giant strawberries oh yeah. my oh, strawbs giant strawberries no the rest they are game just over. yeah 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 my yeah, mum right. used to get the giant boxes from cash and carry Oh, oh, I know. And then I heard like rumors about people who are like, they've got like a Costco card yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, that for me was like, the that was just life. Yeah, yeah. Goal. Like, have a sweet the ultimate life goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and a good twirl. Twirls, twirls was my pregnancy thing. Twirl a day. I got a, I got twirl a day. <laughs> twirl a day. I got to a stage where I couldn't go to the cinema without spending like 15 minutes in a pick and mix. <laughs> and then like the first 15 minutes of the film, I just also because I, I can't eat them like, I can't eat sweets. At a sort of measured pace. No, before no mid-fire, one, no, it's you've eaten fire. them in the trailers. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. You're like, Fuck. then I'm sat there. They go, "Which have more sweets?" Need to go escape. <laughs> also, those chocolate mice. I oh. never see them anywhere else except the cinema. They are incredible. 
incredibly sweet they and are delicious. all sugar <laughs> i mean that, that's basically just sugar ground up yeah. and put into the shape of a mice put into the shape of a mice it's delicious it's true absolutely they're, delicious they're really good yeah do not gonna have a good night's sleep after that no <laughs> um okay one thing you'd like to achieve in the next year i want to get better at meditating <gasps> i really I love that re- i really want to get good at it and i say that i want to like properly i'm in the state of doing it now and again you know um when i'm like particularly anxious i think i need to engage in that idea of not waiting for it to rain before Mm. i fix the roof and making sure the roof is always another great quote do you know what i mean do you know what i mean yes absolutely um, it is a practice yeah sometimes like oh i'm on the brink of a panic attack quick (laughs) get on my meditation app it's like maybe wake up and do it and then the panic attack won't won't present itself in the middle of Sainsbury's when someone asks for a selfie. Like maybe just meditate at the top of the morning, you know. So I'm working on. I'm working well, on that, that is brilliant. <laughs> and uh, the first person you call to share good news. Um, that's got to be men. That's got to be mentor number one. That's got to be my mum. Um, you know I work with an amazing team of people normally they're privy to the news before kind of any loved ones whatever and and I've got great mentors in my kind of like sort of work sphere for sure Um, and I I have close personal relationships with them all but yeah mum is the first person I, I call and that's you know she drove me to all of my first auditions and Aww. you know what I mean and like, she must be so proud just like a, a major support but I think more than anything she kind of like leads by example and, and inspires me to kind of want to be like better so yeah that's the obvious first first call amazing and if you uh wait with that's our 10 questions medium fire questions medium done fire. <laughs> but um if you were sort of to anyone listening who mm. is you know maybe stuck in a rut or feeling a bit lost mm. and what advice would you give to them um i think that I think like the square root of so many problems and so much struggle is a lack of communication. Um, And obviously there's no communication without an environment where people feel like it's safe to talk. Um, And I I like to think that we're moving in the direction of people feeling feeling kind of more free than ever to talk about mental health um, and about how you're doing. And, and I'd kind of propose that, like, there's maybe nothing more por- important than, than, than your mental well-being and, and, and how you're feeling and your emotions. Um, and with that in mind, you know, be um, compassionate with yourself. Don't judge yourself for feeling like you're struggling. Um, you know, be, be patient with yourself. And um, also know that there is real value to be gained in talking to someone um i think my biggest you know single piece of advice would be to talk to someone um anyone um you know it doesn't um have to be um you know uh, a family member to start with or your closest friend it literally could be a work colleague um or you know um failing all of that and actually in addition to i mean seeking the the help of a professional and talking to a therapist is massively massively helpful i've um i've had therapy um benefited hugely from it and um if you have the means you know i would really encourage someone to 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 do that um but the the single takeaway you know in 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 shorter terms would be to talk to someone just talk 
Oh, that's such 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 valuable advice Will thank you so much for being just I an amazing guest oh and I've guest. just ended it by punching the microphone it was because you're that so was, excited I was excited but here we are woo thank you so much for having <laughs> um, me thank you you've been so open um, I just can't wait to see you in your next project thank you so much wishing you all the best thank you thank you so much cheers bye love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by march 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax makes them count that means getting 100 back and 100 accurate taxes only from intuit TurboTax. must file by 331 credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service offer can be modified or terminated at any time 